The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. And today, I'm here with my special guest, Raquel Ellison. Raquel, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. And I know that all of our listeners are looking forward to our little talk about transitioning back to work after the arrival of a new baby, because we all know that, honestly, we'd like to think it's easy, but it's not always so easy. We know that you have many practical strategies for us, and uh, so I'm going to leap right into the uh, the whole going back to work idea, and I'd like to start a little bit at the beginning, which is, if you know, this is kind of funny, but when I wrote my first book, somebody told me most of the mistakes that you make are during the planning period. <coughs> right. And I think that that's true no matter what we do. So could you talk a little bit for us, please, about planning to go back to work, planning ahead, what should the mother be planning? And uh, if you had to name, I don't know, three or four or five particularly important things, what would they be? Well, it's so interesting because I actually think that you have to plan, and part of that plan is knowing that that plan is most likely going to change in one way sure. or another, right? Sure. So when I coach folks, yeah, it's really about um, planning to come back to work, and it's not... Uh, necessarily about um, there are a couple different pointers that I, that I that I think people should cover in the planning in the planning process. But one of the most important things is kind of the the process rather than the outcome. So can you be sort of very forthright um, with your manager about communication? Right? How you know while you're on leave, how are you going to be in touch? Where are your boundaries? You're going to where are your boundaries going to be? Right? When you come back, you know. What do you expect the transition period back to be? Do you anticipate that you're going to want to jump right back into work? Um, are you going to want, a, you know, is it possible to, to have a sort of slower transition so you can sort of phase your work in? Um, those are really important conversations to have. Um, and I think for many people, the, you know, thinking about these, thinking about drawing any boundaries at all at work is really a new concept for them, right? And many of the people who I speak to um, and who I consult with with my consulting firm um, 
typically are people who have gotten to an incredibly high level in their career, and they're not really used to drawing any boundaries, right? Sure. They're used to going above and beyond. So, so to say, you know, I'm going to need to take time out. Um, I'm going to set a boundary where I'm going to go um, and pump during the day, and I'm going to block it out from the, for, uh, on my calendar. That often feels very uncomfortable. Um, so, so, but it's something that I think getting used to that communication around boundaries um, is incredibly important. And thinking about sort of contingency plans. So this is the plan at the moment, and what if it changes? Um, you know, what are other possible solutions? And I think people try to over, um, you know, to skip over certain parts of the planning process. Um, you would be amazed how little communication often happens prior to going on leave. And I think, you know, one of the things that we stress um, is getting people to really work through both the, you know, the pre-leave, the during leave, and the post-leave, um, and really making sure that that all of the the questions that might come up are answered, even if you know, even if it might seem excessive at the time. Sure. Um, other things that I think, you know, are important um, in terms of, specifically in terms of breastfeeding, you know, making sure you are aware of, you know, what facilities are available for pumping in your office, um, where you can do it, um, um, know um, the laws, specifically um, there are certain federal laws that exist, but there are also different um, regulations around what, you know, the time that you spend pumping and whether it's compensated or not on a state-by-state level. Um, so definitely, uh, you know, being being aware of those um, those different regulations. Um, yeah, and then you know, just be be prepared that this is a big emotional shift, and I think this is the part that oh, we yes. downplay a lot, right? Oh yeah, that this this is going to transform you, and likely um, your colleagues are going to maybe act even subconsciously a little bit different towards you. And, you know, you can move through that and, and things get back to normal, but, but kind of being aware that there is going to be this process of, of change um, and this kind of unfamiliar feeling that's going to happen, not just at home with this new life that you've brought into the world, but also back at work where, you know, you're, you're a bit of a different person um, in, a, in a sense. So I think yes. being prepared just for that, that possibility is really important. I think that's really good advice because I often find that mothers think that everything is going to go, quote, back to normal instantly. And, you know, I usually try to warn people there will be a new normal, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's not not just snap your fingers and uh, instantly it's the same because it just isn't. I loved what you said about planning the process rather than the outcomes, because as you and I know, sometimes those outcomes, no matter how well you've planned them, for one reason or another, get unraveled. Talk to Mm -hmm. us a little bit more, uh, if you can, about planning the process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, my my colleague uh, who works at the Center for Parental Leave Leadership, Amy Deacon, talks about the best way to plan your leave is to plan your return. And, you know, one of the things Ah. that She's worked on is to kind of is to set up, you know, um, very clear, as I said, communication. And I really can't, you know, I'm, I'm repeating myself a bit, but I can't stress it enough. Yes. It's, it's, you know, to be able to talk about the little things, right, about, you know, what, 
you know, what, who's going to be handling, you know, if you're in a client service business, who's going to be handling your clients? Um, are you expected to respond to emails from them while you're away? And when you come back, you know, what is someone going to have taken over and what's the transition? What is the transition back going to look like? Um, because we've heard so many stories um, where those, those questions, those conversations, those planning documents, um, that need to that need to be in place don't happen, and so so that's where kind of the the tricky part you know around the transitioning back and the kind of the challenges to to new moms back in the workforce really can be exacerbated so much right because there's yes. no plan they have no communication they don't really know what they're supposed to do um, you know they don't know you know what the nuances are of what's happened while they're gone and and so if you can proactively and preemptively um, map out kind of how the flow of communication is going to work it really transforms what the experience is like on the other side um, once the employee returns um, and I think often what happens is and I think this is to my colleague's point often what happens is people plan, um, and I'm actually hearing this from many corporate clients. They plan for the leave, right? So this is how I'm going to offboard. This is how I'm going to go. This is how many weeks I'm going to take. Um, there's actually a great new uh, platform called Leave Logic, which helps like streamline that process between HR mm. and benefits and and uh-huh. um, the employee. But you know, usually it's just about that. And then when you know it's time to come back. You know, you might know what that date is, and you might get the letter from your employer like you're expected back in the office at this time. But beyond that, you know, if you haven't mapped out, okay, this is, you know, a week after you come back, you're going to start going back to client site, you know, whatever it might be, then there's yes. so many questions to answer in addition to the questions that you have, um, you know, about pumping and, and sleeping and really, you know, getting your life back on track. So if you can answer those questions in advance, it's, it makes all the difference. I would totally agree. If there's anything I've learned in life, it is that having a plan, even if you have to deviate from it, is better than no plan at all. Oh, definitely. And assume you're going to deviate from it, right? Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be something. I mean, parenthood, working parenthood, and, you know, in today's 24-7 work environment, is almost constant change management, right? Absolutely. constant management of change. Um, And so expect it. And I think for a lot of people, you know, that that's a that in and of itself, um, which in my my experience is unequivocally true, is a really hard thing to get your head around, right? Yes. Because typically, you know, it's it's a pretty linear, especially with people who have focused in a very, you know, um, very intentional way in their career and very been very career driven. You know, linear is 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 a very common way. If you do X, Y, and Z, if you put in this time, you're going to, you know, likely get to to the result that you want. And what happens when you become a parent and you have these competing commitments and you're trying to sort of figure out your new role, there's just a lot of different ways in which you have to renegotiate and manage change. And so I tell people to expect that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then it, then it doesn't come so much as a surprise if you're expecting it, uh, even though I know that sounds a little bit circular logic. But, uh, no. you know, Raquel, often, too, um, I hear people talking about how they must go back to work. But somewhere in that conversation, I hear them saying that they must go back to work, and they talk about it as though it's going to have to be exactly the way that it was. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? No. And I know that it's it's not. I think 
um, I think that, you know, when you hear, and I had questions about this when you say you hear them going back to work, what are you hearing there that they, you know, that they well, want, you know, from a financial perspective or for, do they want to go back to work um, because they feel like part of, you know, like they have stuff to do at work, you know, what, what. They what feel that they must go back to the same job, the same boss, the same hours, the same days. Right. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. Oh, definitely not. Definitely. Yeah. Not, right. I, I think. I think that. They can negotiate different hours or, you know, maybe they have a different job or maybe they have flex time or maybe they whatever. And so I'm just never really sure how to communicate to people. I I don't mean to devalue going back to work in the way that they know it, but the way that they know it might not be the only way and it might not be the best way for right now. And so... Usually, what I'm trying to communicate there in a respectful way, at least, is understand that it doesn't necessarily have to all be exactly the same. Uh, Listen, before we go to break, I would just like to thank our sponsor, which is Mama Va, and that is M-A- M-A-V-A dot com. If you have seen those wonderful pods that are now in some airports, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, check it out. Hey, I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. We will be right back with Raquel Ellison to talk about going back to work. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with my special guest, Raquel Ellison. Raquel is here to tell us about some of the humps and bumps 
of that transition back to work. And as she says, part of it is knowing what's going on ahead of time. So, Raquel, you talk about the importance of discussing transition with the managers. Uh, I think that's really good. But one of the things that I think that people need a little help with is, can you give us some good words or phrases that may be useful to managers, words that are uh that are, are are genuine, but they're not confrontational or they're not all about me, 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 me. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, can, can, can you help us with some words like that? Absolutely. So two words that come to mind. Uh, first um, is uh, productivity. Ah, and the second I like that. that comes, yeah, the second that comes to mind is uh, temporary. So one of the things that I think um, happens, like you said, you were alluding to this, Marie, people come back to work and their first inclination, um, you know, and, and for, for good reason, they're often exhausted, right? They're dealing yes. with some infants, they're not sleeping, <laughs> yes. right? I just saw a new mom the other day and said, we had a really good night, you know, the baby went to bed at seven, woke up at one for a couple hours, and then, you know, and then went to sleep again until five. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the, that's the sleep that you're operating under, right? So it's totally natural to feel like you are stressed, like you're thinking, you know, like your thinking isn't clear. That being said, what I discourage people from doing is presenting issues around um, time or boundaries or requirements that they need to help them through this transition in terms of their own experience. So what they have to remember, even though it's so hard because they're spending so much time thinking about what this little baby needs from them, right, is to think about what their not-so-little manager needs to hear from them. Right, right. They're not thinking about, ultimately, as much as they care about you. And I think it's really hard. I think it's really hard to separate when you're so exhausted and you're so tired and you just want that sympathetic ear and that relief. It's hard to remember that these managers have their own stuff going on. right. <laughs> So as much as they want to be there for you, it isn't, in fact, their job to, you know, listen to you talk about how exhausted you are as much as maybe they should and and wish it were different. It's not. And they've got a lot of stress on their plate, too. So the way to frame it when you need some, um, you know, some time, you know, either you need some telecommuting time, uh, you know, to be able to work from home or you need days... uh, you know, you need to be able to leave early to meet the babies for certain days, or you know, for pumping purposes, um, you need certain. Uh, you know, it makes it easier to work from home. Whatever it might be, really talk about it in terms of what's going to make you most productive during this transition. You I both like know you're going through a transition. What's going to make you most productive? And then, um, you know, what's most important there is to really have some measurable pieces, right? To look at. Okay, what is the unique value add? What's expected of you by that manager? And how can you make sure you're hitting your target, right? Um, how can you make sure you're delivering on what you want to be able to deliver? Um, and I think, I think that's incredibly, incredibly important is to be able to speak to that rather than FaceTime, which is what we call, you know, time in the office, right? Like sure. you are going sure. to be less present by design. How do you... Um, you know, how do you make sure that you're meeting meeting those requirements? And then, like I said, the second thing that I think is so important is temporary. <laughs> you know, yes. these are all yes. 
this is not, I think, what people think about. And I've talked about this with managers and I've talked about this with employees. But what they think about is um, they think that this is forever, right? I'm coming back and I'm always going to be, and working parenthood is always going to be me pumping all the time, you know, and and being interrupted. And it's not, it's these different, as we've said, managing change, right? So there's going to be different phases in which you're going to have different challenges and different opportunities. And so to recognize that you can check in in three months or in three weeks, whatever you and your manager decide to say, hey, how is this going? Is it working for you? It's working for me. What could we change? How could we improve? So checking in, revisiting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's okay. I would also say I am an employer. And mm-hmm. just just a couple of days ago, I had a woman who, you know, her her youngest baby is 30 years old or something, but she fell, had an issue with her ankle and her knee. And so mm-hmm. I want to know that she's going to get the job done. But mm-hmm. it's easy for me to say, look at, why don't you stay home, get your knee up, get your foot up, get your ice on your sprain here, but just get, get X, Y, and Z done today. I think mm-hmm. that, that to some extent employers, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with being pregnant, having a baby or anything else, but rather life creeps in here. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, you know, make that work? for the corporation as well as for the human beings. So let's talk about rights. I'm I'm big on people knowing their rights, and you addressed that earlier. But often, having a right in the workplace also means fighting some obstacles. Do you Mm -hmm. have some stories from clients that you've worked with who have successfully overcome some of those obstacles? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, and I think... Think that what's really challenging, um, it's 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 often so subtle, right? So the obstacles yes. can be, um, you know. And I was actually there was just a fast company piece today that I uh, was quoted in where we were, you know, what the challenge is. Um, there is, you know, there could be great policies, the best at the top, right, at the top of an organization um, that are sort of designed to trickle down. And then there's the employees who are looking to protect their own rights. But then there's a huge gray area in the middle where you have managers who are trying to sort of put it all together. And often what what gets lost or what becomes challenging is, is you know, some of their, their ideas about what makes a good worker or, you know, a lot of the attitudes towards working parents have changed significantly in recent years, and, uh, and some people, you know, aren't quite on board with that. And so they hear yeah. some of the obstacles I hear are often, you know, there are some systematic ones, but I hear, um, you know, uh, I hear people saying, um, hearing from a manager, you know, you shouldn't have had that second child because, like, look, you'll never move up from here, right? Or, um, you know, a manager who, once they heard about an employee's pregnancy, like, put their head on the desk and started banging yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, so I think that's a particular kind of obstacle. Again, not um, not systemic, but I think very subtle, but very, I almost think that is, you know, that's what's most harmful for employees is to be able to say, okay, you know, <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? That feels very hurtful. And how do I recognize, you know, that I can move past it 
um, you know, what do I, how can I kind of address this directly? And so what I hear some clients doing and what I encourage them to do is to really, you know, not just let those comments go, but to say, you know, but to respond, right? And to say, yes. you know, because it, it might be, it might have been a comment that was said by a colleague or a manager offhand and sure. without much thought. And, sure. and so, yeah. you know, instead of internalizing that, how, how could you respond? Sorry, were you going to say something? Mm. Um, I, I wanted to go to a term that you use frequently on your blog. You talk about the term lean in. What mm. is leaning in? Right. So leaning in um, is interesting. It's a term that was um, that was actually introduced that I don't think of as my term. It was introduced by Cheryl Sandberg, who's the CEO oh, uh-huh. of Facebook. Um, uh-huh. She talks about the idea of leaning in. And that was, um, and leaning in is like, you know, what I think happens, or what she's pointing to as a trend, is that what women do often, um, or in her experience and some research to back this up, is that they will kind of step back from work instead of kind of pushing themselves and pushing themselves to their, to their professional ambition towards their professional ambitions, they will, um, they will lean back and say, no, I'm not going to do that because one day I might have kids and that's not going to be, I won't take that demanding job because, right. Um, and I, I found that I was actually interviewed before, um, before that show came out, before that book came out. Um, and I kind of, and I had a problem with that because I think this is, you know, that's by making a statement like that, um, which, you know, she has a whole organization called Lean In. I mean, it, it's quite, um, it's quite a movement at this point. Um, for many women who've already um, had children, it, you know, there's a lot of judgment in it. Like it, it, there's an assumption that there isn't some subjectivity and that people, you know, that, that there are, um, you know, the people should do things a certain way, um, and you know, the ambition is most important. And I think what, you know, just to cut to the chase, what I try to encourage, I think I bring up the term to sort of point out that yes, that pressure is out there, um, but that you know, um, my someone I admire, Kelly Yost, who writes about this, talks about everybody's work life is like a snowflake, right? You have your own restrictions and opportunities and challenges and value add and skills. And so, um, you know, to remember to lean in kind of on your own terms and not how anyone else expects you to. Yes. As as you were talking, I was chuckling to myself. I was thinking, wow, must be I'm showing my age here. Um, Because I guess that in my day, there was not as much pressure on a woman as there is now. I made some choices. I was happy with those choices. I'm still happy with those choices. But I think that it would have been much more difficult if I had been in your shoes and in your generation. And, uh, you know, there really is a lot of pressure today, for sure. Uh, Everybody, don't go away. When we come back, I am going to ask Raquel to talk about some of the really, what I call, ugly stories and uh, to talk with us a little bit about how we can avoid those uh, or at least minimize their possibilities. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'll be right back with my good guest, Raquel Ellison. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I'm here today with Raquel Ellison. Raquel has just gotten through telling us some uh, wonderful information about how we can get ourselves and our heads and our families and our bosses together in order to figure out how to get ourselves back into work uh, after the baby has been born. But as promised, I'm going to ask Raquel about some of these, what I guess I would call ugly stories. Raquel, the one that really jumped out at me was the the story that you told on your blog about the 40-year-old vice president of a bank who returned after leave from her first child, and suddenly mm-hmm. she was asked to complete a weekly timesheet, and she hadn't been asked to do that in 20 years. What do you make of this? You know, I think I think that there are. I would be insulted. Oh, my, oh my God! Of course. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> that goes without saying. I, I I thought it was horrendous, and I I think, and she did as well. And I think what happens is, um, what I think the experience points to um, is sort of what we were talking about earlier. There's so many subtle. Um, emotional responses that you kind of have to be prepared for in the workplace. Um, that that unfortunately, um, you know, I think maybe what her manager thought was, well, given that you're, you know, you're thinking about other things now, I want to just make sure that you're getting your work done. But she did that in the most demeaning, um, most, you know, uncomfortable way possible, right? 
um, yeah. when what she needed to do was say, hey, you know, you're coming back to work. Is there anything I can do to support you? How do we make sure that you hit your target? Right? There, there's no, there's, there are many other ways to do that. And I think, um, I think that there is this wider, um, you know, I, 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 I see many different cases. I see sometimes when, you know, there's a sort of infantilizing process, um, for lack of a better term, like this woman faced. I also see, um, you know, I had a client whose manager doubled up, (laughs) doubled her workload when she came back. Um, And she came back with a, you know, four or five month old and she gave her an entire other client load. And, and, you know, she wasn't prepared. And, and I think yes. the idea that this manager had was show them you can do it, right? Let's yeah. prove it. You're such yeah. a go-getter. Like, don't let this pregnancy knock you down or this new child and this new parenthood role knock down your professional standing. And what it ended up doing, because there wasn't really a conversation about it, was destroy this woman's relationship with her manager. It was very, very difficult. And, and I think this woman felt... Um, that she had been put in an impossible situation <laughs> where she, yes. you know, obviously wanted to succeed, but really didn't have the resources or the experience to manage not only double the workload, but also, you know, the, double the home load as well, right? Um, and she found it really uh, challenging. And then when she wasn't able to measure up, she was put on, you know, pr- probation. So sure. I think I, I think there are these different ways in which... Um, Sometimes managers or colleagues try to, uh, you know, without talking to the employee, kind of help them to either prove themselves or keep themselves on track or whatever it might be. But it's often more about the manager's attitudes than it yeah, is about just... the employee, right? So I think, I think that's that, sabotage. That's... Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. That's just ugly. Oh, it's it's yeah. almost as though the manager is saying, "Okay, you think you're such hot stuff. Now let's see you t- handle this." That's exactly. Yeah, I was being oh, nice. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's, what what about the me. woman that uh, was let go after she took a call from the school nurse with a sick child? And you mentioned this on your blog. Uh, mm-hmm. The the manager said something like, "It seems like you have a lot going on now." I was astonished yeah. by I that mean, story. You know, we we. <sighs> We think this doesn't happen. We think that if you have a policy in place, people are going to be protected. But the truth is um, that, you know, this was this person was in a client service business. And in the middle of a client meeting, she had to leave. And this wasn't the first time, um, but it certainly wasn't, you know, a frequent occurrence. And she, this manager who, who said that to her, you know, her kids had both gone to boarding school and she did not have that kind of conflict. Um, come up on a regular basis. Um, and I, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I was only hearing from the client side in that scenario, but the employee side, but, you know, clearly um, there were some judgments being made about her priorities and then this feeling that the client knows best. And so if the client, you know, isn't comfortable with, with someone attending to family priorities um, or feels that they're being deprioritized and they're going to make, you know, a fuss about it and the employee, you know, and the employer, the agency has to decide whether or not, you know, it's worth it to them um, to to fight back. And often, you know, the client dictates. <laughs> so, so I yes. think in this case, that's basically what happened. 
Yeah, because I mean, I can think of times where I might just like say, forget it, you know, just let this one go. But under those circumstances, I think I would have fought back. I, I don't know. Uh, um, can, can, yeah, there was a fight back. And I think that's <clears throat> part of the problem. So there, there, there's often a fight back, right? But then it's a question of, I think mean, this is the challenge, um, you know, when that unfortunately happens, right? And someone's let go and, and there's, it's suspected that, you know, the motives for letting them go are, are not just, you know, that their performance are not, you know, really so much about their performance in the workplace, but instead um, really about, you know, their competing commitments, right? And yes. everything else yes. that they have going on. And I think, no, I think it's, I think it's really, it's quite challenging, um, but it's hard to rationalize making anything public, right? Yes. Because yes. it's a mark yes. on your, you know, more than the employer ultimately they're going to get away with it. And it's going to be on your, you know, on your record, basically, that you made this complaint. And so people often, you know, opt out, or if they do have an, you know, if they do pursue it and they do you know, talk to the employer, they often, um, and they, they do get to, you know, make a legal case of some kind. They're often bound by, you know, a, a confidentiality agreement so that they don't kind of share and warn others that this, this can sometimes happen. So, so Raquel, help, help us with this then. I, like the 40-year-old vice president and the other woman that, that left for her sick kid, mm-hmm. how can the mother reduce or avoid these? I don't know if avoid is the right word, but how, how can she minimize the possibility of that kind of junk happening to her? Is there any magic bullet here? Um, God, I wish. I mean, I think those two situations are very, very different. But I think the commonality um, is is around the manager relationship. And I think mm. that part of that, so what I talk about, you know, when when, when culture change is really happening in an organization, <clears throat> it, it happens, as we said, from the top with the right policies in place. Um, and it happens, um, you know, it, it happens from the employee perspective where they're able to empower themselves to, as we discussed earlier, you know, not, you know, to be able to talk about their, you know, things in terms of productivity, right? And to open the lines of communication and talk about experimenting with different things. And is this working for you? Is it not working for you, right? How to be kind of very transparent about that. Um, I think there's also a piece where, you know, employer employees need to um, need to advocate for themselves. One of the things I talk to people about is, you know, it's very hard when you come from, a uh, circumstance where you, you know, you're used to giving your all, you're used to giving, you know, yes. 150%, as many of my clients say, to work, um, to, to shift gears and to recognize that you're still adding value when you're not overworking, right? It's really hard um, for people to do that. So I think one of the things that they can do is also to recognize, you know, nobody else is going to be a, as big a cheerleader for you as you have to be for yourself, right? Absolutely. You have to be that cheerleader. And you have to say... This is what I do. Above and beyond the hours I sit at my desk, this is what I bring to the team that no one else brings. And that's a really hard process to be able to identify that. So I think that's, that's on the employee. And I think the third piece is about manager training. I do think we have a challenge here around um, training managers to recognize, um, you know, some really sometimes complex but very often very simple um, subtle things that they can do to make this experience go a lot more smoothly. 
Um, and, you know, there are some wonderful managers out there who have been so sure. and, and yes. But there are some that, you know, that don't even say congratulations when someone says they're pregnant or, you know, don't even welcome someone back when they're coming back from leave and don't give them any instructions. You know, I had one, one um, manager say, um, to his, you know, his employee who had been back from, from leave, um, when she was, he was asked to give her a performance review and instead of using any metrics at all, he just said, well, you know, you've got all the kids stuff going on. So I'm going to give you a two. And <laughs> Whoa. You know, it's on the manager to, to really think, you know, strategically about what they're doing and saying. And, and I think it is, you know, one of the programs that, um, that I've been working on with um, my colleagues at the Center for Parental Leave Leadership in terms of manager training um, and consulting is to say, you know, here's some just-in-time um, pieces of information for the manager. Yes. The manager can't, yes. you know, necessarily keep it all in their head, but if they know that an employee's, you know, announcing that they're going out on leave and then they're pregnant, you know, it's nice to get a reminder to say congratulations, and then it's nice to get a reminder to talk to them about, planning, right? Planning for the leave and for the return. So, so I think it, you know, we haven't, we're working as a society on getting managers to really understand what's required of them to help employees be employees, both in the workplace and out and individuals at home. I would totally agree with that, partly because I am an employer. And I can tell you that even when I was in high level administration um, at the hospital, I, you know, nobody really taught me those things. Now, some of it I sort of figured out for myself, which was, sure. which was, you know, uh, I mean, I'm a nurse. I, I sort of think of those things, but it's, it's entirely thinkable to me that other people would not understand that what I call the push and pull between a family and job. And honestly, as my mother got to be very elderly, I found out that it was still the push and pull between family. It's it's not a small child, but it's still your family. And as the woman, somehow mm-hmm. you always feel like you're the one that has to hold all of this together. So, hey, everybody, okay. don't go away. When we come back, I am going to take this last opportunity to talk with Raquel about how we can revisit our plan when things don't go as planned. I'm Marie Biancuto. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA by N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. 
What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with... um, Workplace Crusader Raquel Ellison, and one Crusader this woman is. Uh, Raquel, (laughs) I started out the show by asking about getting a plan, and from the beginning we talked about how sometimes uh, it's important to have a plan, but that doesn't mean that the outcome is going to be exactly as we planned. So can you help us a little bit with how, how do you, first of all, bring yourself to revisit your plan. I know that for myself, at least, sometimes I sort of feel like, oh, you know, if I'm rethinking this, then maybe I thought about it wrong in the first place, then I have to kind of talk myself through that. Uh, But also, uh, any other tips that you have about this whole idea of uh, when the the plan doesn't go as planned? Um, Sure. I mean, you know, the, the analogy that I give often... Um, is is the analogy of a game called Tetris, which was popular. I'm dating myself, but popular in the <laughs> 80s, um, which is a sort of Russian video game, maybe, where basically the different pieces fall down from the sky, different shapes, and you have to kind of fit them all together in a particular kind of straight line so that you can keep moving through the game. And, um, and they're different. They're, you know, they're coming out from all different angles, like I said, different shapes. And so I get that analogy, you know, when, when we're, before we have kids, um, you know, often people are having kids later and later, you know, so what they will find is um, they will, you know, really have kind of gotten the hang of it, right? <laughs> so they know uh-huh, where the pieces uh-huh. go, they can figure it out. The kid comes along and all of a sudden there's another piece added and um, and the game goes faster and, and it's like you have to, you just the new rhythm. And the rhythm's never going to be, you know, a consistent, you know, A, B, A, B, A, B, B, A, you know, rhythm. It's just going to go. It's going to go different ways. It's different, different parts of your life are going to require your attention at different times. So if you think about it that way and you're prepared for it, um, then I think you, you feel less pressure to get it right and more flexibility to, you know, to, to be able to play to your strengths. Um, at the different moments um, in the different areas that you are responsible for. So all is not lost. (laughs) I think all is not lost. And um, to the contrary, I think it's actually, you know, I think the transition to parenthood is a a huge opportunity for, you know, what we work on with people is, 
is something that is often overlooked. You know, we go through our careers pre-kids pretty, you know, in a often in a very linear way, just sort of head to the, you know, to the grindstone, or I always mess up my metaphors there, but, you know, going straight ahead. And this is an opportunity to sort of understand yourself differently as a leader, um, as a person, to kind of reflect. It's a moment of transition that actually, I think, helps people grow uh, personally, professionally, in a million different ways. So if you see it like that, if you appreciate that change, I think you're going to be much better off than if you dread it. Yes, I, I would totally agree. I would totally agree. Raquel, um, in the uh, really very few minutes that we have left, there was something that came up earlier in the show, which was that generational difference. I suddenly mm. I suddenly felt actually really old, but anyway. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts about the generational differences as related to having pregnancy leave, having babies, having work, et cetera? Well, I think that we, you know, we we have so many different, you know, I think we often tend to, it's a hard conversation, I guess, it's why I'm stumbling with it, right? We, one generation thinks the other generation has it easier or has it easier, and it's really, it's a mixed bag, right? We've all, as I was saying um, in our break, you know, one generation was just really fighting for a place in the workplace, right, and fighting for um, for equality and, and thank goodness for that, right? Think about where we are today, yes. where we do yes. have these policies, right? Um, but this generation, you know, there's a lot of expectations from peers, from employers to be able to, as we've heard often said, have it all and do it all. And it's crippling. And it's, it's and there isn't, you know, unlike, uh, you know, maybe 25, 30 years ago, you know, we are, we are, this is a 24-7 work culture where we're constantly on our phones and constantly tethered to our work. Yes, um, yes. So there's so much more on us to set those boundaries ourselves. Um, and there's a lot of people wondering when, you know, a lot of stakeholders, you know, work home, <laughs> thinking about when, when are you going to set those boundaries and how. So it's, you know, so it's a very different um, dynamic, I think, to think about, you know, fighting the good fight and making the sacrifices that are required there. And then now some of, you know, we've made some good progress. We still have a long way to go. But at the same time, you know, we're fighting, we're fighting in a lot of, a lot of different smaller battles and some big ones, you know, the policies aren't where they should be yet. So, so I think, I think the generational piece um, is something that I wish that we would talk about more because I think it comes up in those manager conflicts and manager uh -huh. conflicts a lot. Yeah, because often the person who's in the other generation is in the managerial seat, for Correct. sure. So Correct. help us with this, Raquel. Uh, we know that you have been quite the workplace crusader. Why should people want to contact you, and what can you do for them to make their life a gazillion percent better? <laughs> um, so so there's, there's three, three things um, that, I, that I offer that I think are really important. So... One is my individual coaching. Um, so I do coach um, individuals who are really struggling, who really want to be able to figure out how to fit their work and life together in a long-term sustainable way without, without burning themselves out. So I do coach people, select clients on an individual basis. I also okay. consult with an organization that I mentioned, um, the Center for Parental Leadership, and we go into companies and help them create um, sustainable solutions, um, specifically around manager training, but also around training 
um, you know, employees to be able to navigate the change. And then thirdly, I have launched, you know, I, as I, I am a crusader, I have launched um, a platform to help working parents because I think one of the challenges is, you know, we, we have such a hard time balancing work and life, and we really don't have enough support outside the office or inside the office, but outside the office to be able to help us um, to manage it all. So I've created an app um, with my colleague Leslie Abbey oh, yes. called Need Done. Need um, Done app. In the spring. Yes, yep. yes, yes. And I will spell that for uh, folks at home. It's N-E-E-D-D-O-N-E-A-P-P. I scoped that out on the web before I got to the show, and I would encourage everybody else to do that as well. Uh, that is, uh, and congrats to you, by the way, for coming oh, up with you. such a terrific thing. Well, and one of the things I've learned about this show is that we never have enough time to talk, and that has <laughs> been the case today as well. So I would like to thank all of you for listening, and I'd like to sp- give an a special thanks to Raquel Ellison for being my guest today. Raquel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Marie. I loved it. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. And if you're interested in books or other media that has been mentioned on this or previous show, check out our Amazon.store. How do you do that? Well, visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com. You'll see it. I'm certainly happy to have anyone visit, but generally, if you're a parent, you'll want to visit me at borntobebreastfed.com. Or you can check out my Facebook and You can like me while you're there. And if you're a professional and you're looking for continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. My courses and tons of resources and my blog and much more are at my professional website, breastfeedingoutlook.com. Again, that's breastfeedingoutlook.com. And I forgot to tell you that you can find Raquel at, guess where? RaquelEllison.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.